when I met with Tyson and Rob to plan this uh, webinar you're about to listen to, they told me about how one of their reps at Zoom Info booked 27 meetings in a single day on the phone. And I was really blown away, obviously, by that number. But that's what we're going to get into today. Good to uh, have you here. My name is Jason Bay. Welcome to Blissful Prospecting. Uh, I'm on a mission to help reps and sales teams turn complete strangers into paying customers. So I believe that we can have fun and kick ass at the same time, that we can talk about money and not be ashamed of that, and that really sales is a lifestyle. So we get into everything from prospecting, you know, making cold calls, sending cold emails to discovery, demos, you know, landing the sale as well. So today, what you're going to hear is an audio excerpt from a webinar I did with Zoom Info recently. And uh, I'm going to walk you through Zoom Info's cold calling formula. So Tyson, he was one of the first 10 SDR hires at Zoom Info. And Rod is one of the top SDRs on the team. So we're going to get into it. It's going to be a really great episode. Uh, before we get into it, make sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show so that you can get notified when we have new episodes coming out. And without further ado, let's get to it. Let's get the party started, dude. You ready? Let's do it. Absolutely. Let me, I'm going to give uh, Rod a quick intro, everyone. Oh, Tyson. Dude, Tyson, you joined just in time, my man. <laughs> good to see you. Good to see you. Um, okay, we're going to get started, y'all. So uh, a couple things here. You're probably going to have a lot of questions as we go through this, and we want to try to answer as many of them as we can. So the Q&A button there in the bottom of Zoom, throw your questions in there if you have them. Um, I'm super excited to partner with Zoom Info on this webinar. This is the first of a three uh, three webinars that we're going to be doing together over the next three months. And um, I know that everyone, at least that follows me and probably a lot of people that follow you guys want to talk about cold calling, which is what we're going to focus on today. So I got Rob Baptista on the call today. He's a senior enterprise outbound SDR at Zoom Info. He spent the last five years cold calling um, at a variety of different companies. And so we're going to be picking his brain a bit. And Tyson Chang's on the call as well. He's senior manager of sales development and operations at Zoom Info. And uh, he's one of the first 10 SDRs on the team, dude. So he's sort of one of the Zoom Info OGs. <laughs> but um, Tyson, Rob, uh, Rod, excuse me, good to have you guys on the call today. Uh, yeah, awesome to be here. I'm excited to be here, Jason. Um, glad I just made it right on the top. So uh, I'm glad I can be here. No, you're good. Um, what I figured that we could do to have a little bit of fun, let me know in the chat for everyone that's here. What's like the number one thing that you want to take away from today? Is there something that you have challenges with when it comes to cold calling? Is there something that you want to learn from these two about cold calling? Let me know in the chat. Get as specific as you can. Yeah, attitude, That's objection good. handling. <laughs> these guys definitely have a lot of new ideas that they're going to share with you. Totally. Any of this surprising to you guys? <laughs> no, this is... Uh... Uh, hopefully, maybe Rod can attest. Sounds a lot about a lot like our onboarding um, process. Yeah, so definitely. Twenty-seven meetings definitely can talk through that. Somebody, yeah, somebody's uh, Marcy Labor is talking about the uh, the all set objection, which is very similar to like the not interested, not right now. You know, we're all good. That's the yeah. that's that's a great objection to to have a handy way to handle. 
Man, this is crazy. We have almost 600 people on, by the way. So we got a we got a healthy sized group today. This is great, you guys. Loving the engagement. Let's let's sort of get started here. Um, I want to talk like before we get into the tactics of making the cold call, handling the objections. Tyson, I want to direct this first question over to you. One of the things that really stuck out to me when we were prepping for this is how you train and onboard new SDRs. And one of the things that you don't do is give them a bunch of like, you know, tier three accounts or C priority accounts to just, you know, kind of work through their learning curve on. Can you tell us more about that to get us started? Yeah, I mean, as a business, right? Uh, mitigating risk is important. And we onboard people like, you know, Rod, right? Full confidence, Rod, I could put on the phones after a few weeks, he actually worked at one of our competitors. But still, we wanna make sure that, you know, Rod is up to speed and having the right conversations with the right people and also mitigating the risk for the business. So we would find some low risk stuff, right? People that, um, you know, we call them resets. So people that maybe no-showed a meeting and just saying like, hey, why don't you just get comfortable in the systems, get comfortable in the process, having the conversations and sort of, you know, try to figure it out. And our goal in onboarding in their, uh, I wanna say their eighth day is to have a conversation with the prospect. And that conversation with the prospect on their eighth day really sets the tone because you know I'm sure they're like palms are sweating and they're like really nervous to get on the phones, but they get that call and then we instantly start talking about feedback, right? What did you do well on that call? What didn't do well on that call? Versus in my previous roles, you know, it would take me a month and a half if I make that first cold call. And at that wow. point, all this knowledge there that I and I had like one call to reference and record. So our goal onboarding is to get people on the phones as quickly as possible to make sure that, that you know they have good conversations. We're also mitigating risk to the organization, but they're also going to develop that much faster. Yeah. So I think this is something that's super crucial. And when I work with teams and I see the onboarding, and I'm like, why is it taking so long for them to just pick up the phone and like start actually doing the job? Because that's <laughs> it's sort of when you learn the most, you know. Um, okay. So in terms of mentality. And Rod, I'll direct this one over to you. Are there any Zoom info principles, mentalities, anything like that when you think about how we cold call, how we outbound, how we prospect? Is there anything like that that you guys can share? Yeah, um, I think one of the one of the things that really struck me when I joined Zoom info was how much our mentality here is just try it, just call them, you know. And, and as an SDR, there's always that sort of balance of like. You know, is, is it the right timing? Is this the right person? Do I have the right information? Um, just just give it a shot. You know, worst case scenario, you'll call the wrong person. They won't have budget. You know, like the, the worst case scenario is that you'll be told no, which kind of happens all the time anyways. And it, it goes a long way and it goes along the lines of what I've seen, you know, some of the, some of the best, um, uh, thought leaders in the space are always talking about being uncomfortable or being comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? If you, if you know that like you don't, you don't like calling people early, early in the morning, or you don't like talking to C-level executives, like uh, acknowledge the areas where you, you have that discomfort and then just find a way to, to push beyond it and to just call them, to just give it a shot. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. Yeah. Pushing past the discomfort is, you know, kind of, kind of interesting, but, uh, Tyson, do you have any thoughts here? 
things that at ZoomInfo, the principles behind how you approach prospects, what you guys believe in, that sort of thing? Absolutely. I think um, detaching yourself from the outcome, um, super important. Kind of going off what Rod said, um, getting comfortable being uncomfortable is, is knowing that in sales, you sort of have to be irrationally optimistic. And, and training your mind to think that way is really hard. It's very counterintuitive, but you know, uh, you're going to lose 99% of the time. That's the reality. And you have to face that. The sooner that you can face that, the more comfortable, the happier your job's going to be. So we think about detaching yourself from the outcome. Really stop worrying about booking the meeting and just start finding people you can and can't help. If you go in with that mindset, if they don't think that you can help them, cool, right? You found someone that you can't help. Right. But you are going to find people that you can't help. And that's what, you know, is, is super important. And then I think going on top of that, um, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, there are ways to definitely be comfortable cold calling. And a lot of that I think has to go with like learning a framework and a process for cold calling and then practice, right? The more you practice, the better you're going to get at it. The more it comes naturally. I always tell people when they role play with me, I sort of have this, um, uh, um, this history of being the, uh, the objection, you know, the objection machine when I call, when I role play with people, that's because I always tell people, I want our role play to be yeah. the hardest call that you ever have. Right. So when you go into those conversations with prospects, you're like, you know what, it's not going to be as bad as role playing with Tyson. I feel way more comfortable, way more prepared to overcome those objections. Now definitely give them wins and, and highlight a lot of the positive things, but um, yeah, those are some of the things I would add. Yes. I love that. So again, a couple people are pointing this out in the chat, the detaching from the outcome. And you said to be irrationally optimistic. Is that what you said? I love that dude. It's, it's like, you have to wrap your head around the fact that you're going to fail 90% plus of the time, typically when you're doing outbound and like being okay with that, you know, is there any type of stuff that you guys talk about? Let's just sort of open this up for either of you, you know, call reluctance. Is that something that you guys talk about? Is that something that reps sometimes deal with? How do you guys approach call reluctance? Um, as somebody who's more recently than Tyson gone through the onboarding process, <laughs> um, I found that one of the things, one of the things they did really early on was get us on the phones, you know, um, obviously sales is, is very big. Uh, sales is a volume game. It's a numbers game. And especially in the beginning of your, of your tenure as an SDR, the most important thing is to just have conversations, right? Um, a lot of people are uncomfortable talking to people on the phone. Um, I think it, you know, it might be something that um, generationally we're transitioning away from from speaking on the phone more towards texting and you know uh, text communications and things like that, um, and for some people it can be a barrier to just pick up the phone and call someone. Um, and I think, as a as a sales manager, the one of the, the the best tactic is to figure out a way to get them on the phones as quickly as possible. Don't you know belabor the training process. I think within my second week I was dialing, right here at Zoom Info, and as an SDR. Um, you know, you, it's like, it's like what Tyson said, you're going to be told no. The worst case scenario is that they hang up on you and that they tell you no. If you, if you have that in your mind, like, you know, I'm not, there's, there's nothing for me to lose in this, in this engagement. It makes things a little bit easier. What's going through your head, Rod? Like when you dial someone and the phone is like dialing or you click, you know, on your computer or whatever, what, what is going through your head? 
Um, one is, I hope they answer. Actually, no, that's a lie. Every time the phone is ringing, I expect that they answer, right? So yeah. in, as much, in as much as I may be, you know, um, looking at, uh, at their LinkedIn profile to figure out a piece of information or reviewing something about their company or looking at notes from somebody who's had a previous interaction with them, um, I'm always, in as much as I may be looking at other things, my thought is every time the phone is ringing, they are going to answer, right? Um, so they are gonna answer and what happens next? When they pick up the phone, what am I gonna say? And for me, it's a very automatic process at this point, having done this for five years, it's always like, hey, this is Rod from Zoom Info. And then a, a fun trick I've been doing recently is saying, how have you been, right? It implies a sense of familiarity. It's a little different than what other people are doing to something that people are, were referring to in the questions earlier. It's a little more disarming, you know, Hey, this is this is hey hey John, this is Rod from Zoom Info. How have you been? Right. So what's going through my head is, uh, and we can talk about this a little more later. But ideally, I want to have at least one piece of information that I can leverage within the first thirty seconds to a minute. That's about them, their business, their company, their industry, their world. If I can drop one nugget of information about them within the first minute, it it opens the door for so many things. It allows for a better conversation, decreases my odds of getting hung up on, um, and worst case scenario, and, and, I, and I don't have that one piece of information, trying to ask them a good question. Those are the things that are going through my head. I love that. Tyson, anything you wanna add? Yeah, I think for me, because um, you know, I definitely, and if you, if you don't think this way, I would, I would probably challenge you. You probably, you know, you have some doubts, right? You have a bad call, you, you know, move on to another call and maybe it's getting in your head a little bit. For me, I was very process driven. And so within my sales engagement tool, I wanted to have a very like, you know, one through five step. This is what I do. Okay. I look at their, look at their name. I memorize their name. I look at their title. Then I open up the website. I do a little bit of research on their website. Once I feel like I know what they do, maybe I read the call notes or any prep notes that I have and I hit dial. And then I'm just sort of looking at all those things. I'm almost trying to occupy my mind to get myself out of thinking about those negative thoughts, right? And so I would I would just look at their website and I instantly think about, okay, the VP of sales, what do they care about? What do they care about, right? Okay, their solutions are in the IT space. That means they sell to IT professionals and directors. Okay, make sure I ask the question about that. And to that, Rob's point, I'm expecting them to pick up. And so when they pick up, it's like, okay, great. Hey, Rod, this is Tyson over at Zoom. How's your day going? And I'm very familiar, very comfortable and very eager and excited to talk to that person because I've done that sort of, you know, research. I've sort of occupied my mind to prevent myself from, you know, deviating. Yes. So the reason why I wanted to talk about prep is I feel like that's a big part of call reluctance is when you go in and you feel like you don't know that much and you can't talk about the prospect. Well, what do you resort to talking all about yourself and what your company does? And I don't know about you. That's, that sucks when you have to go in and talk all about yourself yeah. and there's all this pressure to make the pitch, you know, really good. Um, dude, you guys, let's just get into the cold calls. You guys started talking about the intros and we're kind of teasing it. Let's get into the structure. I want to start with tonality. Does anyone else here? Let me know in the chat. Like when Rod talks in his opener, you're just like, damn, he's smooth. <laughs> Um, how do you guys think about tonality, pace of delivery, and how important is that in that first, you know, 10, 20, 30 seconds? You're making me think back to when I started as an SDR. And uh, as, as context for everyone, before I got my first job as an SDR, I didn't know what business to business meant. I'd never heard of sales development, 
the, this was a, I was a, I was a catering supervisor at Panera. Like this was a completely foreign world to me. And every time I called anybody, you know, it'd, it'd be like, hey, oh, like especially if it's a VP or a director, be like, oh, hello, sir. You know, my name is Rod. Rod. You know, uh, and it, it's like, it's a very scary experience in the beginning. And a really small thing that I would do is after I said hello and I was just like, hey, this is Rod from ZoomInfo. How's it going? After I said hello and I was just waiting for them to like reply back or or whatever, I would take a moment and I would just like breathe through, breathe only through my nose real slowly and just be like, all right, they answer the phone, calm down a little bit, <laughs> right? Master your jitters and then, and then get into it. So, you oh, know, dude. the breathing and then we, one last thing. Can we highlight? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say either breathing or what, what somebody, what other people on my, in my company used to do is after they said hello or their initial line, they would mute the phone. They would mute themselves so that the other person, so that, you know, they wouldn't interrupt and they could just take a moment to just collect themselves. Yeah. You hit on something. I just don't want to gloss over that I think is super important. A lot of times what I talk about with cold calling is just the act of even standing up sometimes can be a really big thing for people because when you're, you know, leaning over like this, you, know, you hear it in my tone of voice versus something like this. And I ask people, you know, stand in the most confident stance that you can stand in, you know? So in other words, your, your kind of physical, your physiology, I guess, kind of drives a lot of how you feel oftentimes. Yeah. And just oh. doing a breath, because I don't know about you guys, every time, like the first call of the cold call block, my heart's like, you know, going like this, right? And just taking that breath and being like, hey, Rod, Jason was blissful prospecting. How have you been? You know, and then like taking that breath, I think is really, really clutch. So I, I didn't want to gloss over that. Uh, Tyson looked like you were going to, you know, sort of add something tonality, pace, first 10, 15, 20 seconds. What are you thinking? Yeah. Um, just to touch on what you talked about, the, the physiological effects that you can manifest by standing up or even smiling or looking into a mirror. I remember my first manager, which I think may be on the call. I just did a quick search in the participants at my first job told me to look into a mirror when I was cold calling and it was so awkward, but it really forced you to, to master like, and even on zoom calls, like I'm very animated with my hands. I always remember in the office, you always tell when I'm on a call cause I would shoot up out of my desk and start pacing back and forth with my headset. Then I required a wireless headset cause I was, you know, pulling the, the cord out sometimes, but uh, super huge um, tone, pa uh, tonality, pace, um, things like that. I always used to, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, one of my previous managers taught me as well is like, you kind of have to treat it like you're an actor at times, like the do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, da, when you warm up in the morning. And so I would sit there and, you know, before I, you know, I'm getting my coffee, hey, this is Tyson over at Zoom Info. Hey, Tyson Chang over at Zoom Info, how's it going? And I just practice it a hundred different ways. And so that opener, I could, you know, number one, react a little bit better to that individual. And they go, oh, hello? It's like, hey, this is uh, Tyson over at Zoom Info versus this is Tyson, like, hey, Rod, this is Tyson over, like, I can just react a little bit better and I can match their tone and pace quicker but from the get-go, right? Um, I always wanna be as energetic and excitable as possible because people are less likely to be mean or negative to someone that is positive and, you know, excited to talk to you, right? It's super hard. It takes a very special person, which we've all ran into yeah. in sales every now and then, but it's that much less likely to happen. Yes. I love this. And the why behind this, you guys, is I really like if you mess up that first 15, 20 seconds, you're 
going to usually get a lot of objections after that, or someone's just going to hang up on you. And what I'm hearing from both of you guys is we want to do the opposite of what any kind of telemarketer would do. I want to sound very confident, uh, very positive. I'm going to smile. I'm going to ask them how they're doing. I'm going to be very slow, deliberate. I'm going to sound like a peer, not like a telemarketer. Um, so let's kind of keep this going. And, and Michael Ashman, I see your question in the Q&A. What's up, Michael? Um, we're sort of getting to this. How do you start the call off on the right foot in the first minute? So it sounds like you guys are fans of asking the person how they've been, how are you doing today? Can you guys talk a little bit more about why you do that before you go into a permission-based, you know, kind of opener? So it's funny. Um, I've seen both sides of the argument on this one over my, over my years. Um, some people don't ask for permission at all. Some people say, you know, don't ask them about their day because you don't care. They don't care. It's just fluff. Um, I think it really depends on your style. I, I have a very sort of um, humane approach. I always try to, I always try to laugh when I'm on the cold call, even if it's a joke that I said, you know, I'll often say a joke and then laugh at it. And sometimes it'll be the people think like, okay, I guess it's okay to laugh if he's doing it, <laughs> you know? So I always try to, you know, be very sort of comfortable down to earth. My tone kind of reflects a lot of that. Um, and for that reason, I feel very comfortable and I've had a lot of success, you know, asking people about their day and even asking for permission. It's like, hey, you know, this is Rod over at ZoomInfo. How have you been? Good. Like, have we spoken before? Oh, we haven't had the pleasure. Um, and actually, I know I'm catching you out of the blue. Do you have a quick second, right? These are all phrases that I've used. Recently, I've stopped asking for permission. There's been a lot of questions and comments in the chat about permission-based approaches. Um, same thing, I think it really depends on your style. It can go either way, but I've stopped asking for permission and I've just started going with, hey, this is Rada Tuminfo. Um, how have you been? Great. Just to be conscious for your time and then I go into it, right? Or, you know, I was doing some research and then I go into it or something like that. And I think, I think there's a good argument to be made that um, asking for permission gives them the out of being like, you know, hey, do you have a second? It's like, oh, actually, no, you know, like I'm, I'm you know, running into a meeting or doing this or whatever. And, and in my head, it's always like, if you couldn't talk, then why did you pick up the phone? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. The reason I ask the how are you doing thing is I think a lot of people like me, the sort of talking heads in sales, the, the consultants, the trainers, the coaches will tell you not to ask people how they've been or how are you doing? And a lot of times, I mean, I have a, I had a client that she would ask every single person, how are you doing today? And her voice was just, she sounded like a super friendly person. And every single time people would be like, I'm doing really good. How are you doing? She never got shut down, you know, asking that question. So Tyson, where do you stand on permission-based openers? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. It's what got me to my role right now. Um, my, my usually go-to line was, you know, uh, hey Rob, this is Tyson over at Zoom Info. How's your day going? And one of the things that I would just add when you ask that question, people typically ask, not too bad, how about yourself? And a lot of times like a deer in the headlights where, you know, a waiter comes over, it's like, hey, enjoy your meal. And you're like, you too. You're like, I don't know why I said that, right? It's like, obviously you're not going to enjoy a meal or, you know, have a good workout when you come to the gym. And it's like, you too. And it's like, ah, it's just, you're not thinking about it right the right way because you're nervous. Making that for like, nope, my day's going pretty good. Could be a little bit better. It's a little cloudy here in Vancouver, but I'm actually really glad that, you know, we're able to connect. Um, the reason that I was calling, I was hoping to grab 15 minutes in your calendar to talk about Zoom and before I do that, are you familiar with Zoom and Photos? Does that name ring a bell to you by chance? 
hopefully by being that having that upfront contract of saying like this is why i'm calling i'm going to ask for 15 minutes on your calendar to Rob's point we'll give them the opportunity to sort of say hey tyson i'm really not interested in a cold call right now we never spoke before like okay hey, no worries would it be okay if i shot you over an email and i highlighted the reason i was reaching out and how i think it could help your business really grow top line revenue sure go for it right or they say you know Ideally, that curiosity sort of takes over. It's like, hmm, okay, why do you want 15 minutes on my calendar? What do you do? And we're selling to sales leaders and we're selling to marketing leaders. So we have the benefit of the doubt of, you know, talking to ourselves in, in a sense, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but that uh, upfront contract at 15 minutes has been my go-to. Um, you know, rarely do I ever have anyone say like, no, I can't even remember the last time. Normally they'll say like, no, what does Zoom Info do? And that I think is the major inflection point. I, I'm sorry if I'm skipping ahead there, Jason, um, in, in our prep, but that is like a big inflection point in every cold call, right? If your instant reaction, and we call this term hitting softballs uh, here at Zoom Info, which is anytime a prospect says anything that makes you want to start talking or pitching, you probably shouldn't. And so when someone says, what does Zoom Info do? You may say like, oh, I'm super glad that you asked. We're a data provider. We're the largest data provider in the world. We do all these great things, blah, 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 blah. They're like, cool. What does that have to do with me? And so what I always train reps to do is to take a step back. It's like, well, before I tell you about Zoom Info, I was actually doing some research on your company and correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like you're selling into the IT space. Are you typically reaching out to VPs of IT or do you go manager director level? And so that is sort of a big premise. We have that upfront contract. We want to avoid hitting softballs. And then we have the idea of asking research-based confirmation questions to get engagement. And so what I'm looking for early on in that conversation are three yeses, right? If I can get someone to say yes to a question early on in my cold call script and I get to that third question, I don't want to say it's in the bag, but it's pretty much in the bag that they're going to engage with you and you're going to have a much more productive conversation because you're asking questions about them. People love to talk about themselves. It's the same thing yeah. when you do get that question answered, maybe nearing them and get them to talk a little bit more. And then it's like, wait, wait, why are you calling me again? Well, hey, all that information in the end was great. And this is how I think we can give, like help you. And now I can leverage what they say, not what I say. And that you know, is essentially the formula that I always use to say like, I only wanna set a meeting if I can say, well, hey, Jason, you said that you were struggling with this and that you're targeting these sort of personas and that's exactly what we help companies do. In fact, I'd love to set up 15 minutes to talk through how we can help do that for your organization. Would you have some time, You know, yeah. would you be opposed to setting up some time later today? Dude, <laughs> there's like so much gold there. I wanna unpack everything that you just said, but I wanna just backtrack a little bit we're working through the cold call and there's a couple, like you guys have different opinions and approaches on permission-based openers. And I think what we can take away from that is you guys, part of this is what works well for you too. I know a lot of people that don't use permission-based openers and they get straight to it and it works well for them. Tyson, you're all about it. And there's like a lot of different variations of permission-based openers that you can use too. But the yeah. similarities I see and hear between you two is there's some sort of here's what to expect during this call. Here's why I'm calling you. And it's coming out in the first 10, 15 seconds. So uh, Rod, I wanna circle back to you because Tyson, you had mentioned these three yeses and it sounds like something very kind of similar. Uh, Rod, you wanna mention things about them. And let's talk about why that's important though, you guys. Why is it important to not pitch? in the first 30, 60 seconds to not give your pitch on Zoom info, but to talk 
more about like things that you noticed about them and get some quick yeses. Can you just share the why behind that before you talk about kind of what those things are that you might ask them? Yeah. So, so I, I think of it in two ways. Um, one of it is sort of my, the, the, the zoom info three S's, uh, approach, which is, you know, whatever the questions are, if, if you get them to say three S's in a row, it, they've already said, yes, their mindset is a little more amenable. It makes the conversation a little smoother. Right. Um, the other thing is people like to, people like to talk and hear about themselves much more than anything else. Right. Um, I'm really the best sales books I've read have been psychology books. And there's a lot of really interesting phenomena around the fact that, you know, you can be in a very crowded, noisy room, and it's going to be difficult for you to pick out what's being said individual words. But if somebody says your name, you're going to hear that every time, right? So people are much more, uh, it's much, it's much easier to captivate somebody's attention with something about them. And the, the quick note on the name aspect of it, I always try to figure out what the person's name is, right? A lot of people in the US, um, they, their name is, is Richard or something, but their friends call them a different name. And if you looked at their LinkedIn um, recommendation section, the recommendations that people have left for them, you can see how people that know them actually call them, right? So when I'm calling them, I wanna use the name that your friends are calling you by. Right, it's very important, and then sometimes I even, you know, look up the pronunciations and things like that. But um, not only am I, do I want to say your name correctly, within the first thirty seconds, if I can get, if I can say, hey, you know, um, I was doing some research. I know uh, you've been you're, you've been leading sales for quite some time. Are you still the VP of sales over there? That's a soft question that gets me my first yes, something like that, um, and it makes it seem like I've invested a little bit of my time into knowing something about their world. Right. So it's much less, a, it's, it's a very different approach than calling them and be like, Hey, this is Rod from zoom info. I know I'm, ca you know, I know I'm catching you out of the blue here. So I'm just going to take 30 seconds to tell you that I'm calling about, because, you know, we have business to business data, you know, it's, it's, it's much more conversational. It's much more human. Um, and they're much likelier to take an interest if you drop some piece of information about them. Yeah. And also, so I think there's a couple of things because you mentioned psychology, the self-disclosure principle. You know, it's this principle that when people share things about themselves, they feel more connected to you. It's no different than, you know, if we went to get drinks and I shared something intimate about my childhood and how hard it was, let's say for some, like I would feel closer to you guys if I shared that with you. You know what I mean? So when we talk about ourselves, we feel closer. And the other thing too at play, it sounds like too, is, you know, cognitive load theory. You're not asking them these really deep penetrating questions at the beginning. This is like, doesn't take any brain power to answer these questions. It's like, yes, yes, yeah. I mean, even doing it right now in that setting, when I said yes three times, I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I feel a lot better <laughs> about talking to you right now, you know, when I do that. So big thing, we don't talk about or pitch what our thing does. And even if someone asks, we still redirect it, Tyson, to your point, we redirect it to the research that we did to get them to give us those micro yeses. Yep. Very cool. Okay. I'll go ahead, Tyson. Looks like you're going to add something. Yeah, I was um, on the uh, the research-based confirmation question. I love that. I've never heard of that theory of cognitive load, but you talk about that a ton, even in the follow-up emails. It's the difference between saying, hey, Jason, tell me about your go-to-market motion, and you being like, you know, how much time do you have right now? Because that's a lot to unpack. Versus, 
when you ask those confirmation questions and it's like, okay, you're a VP of sales, right? You're going after IT decision makers. A lot of VPs of sales that I talked to, and, and we recently brought on board to Zoom Info, they were really struggling to identify when these decision makers were actively in the market. Is that something that you feel like your team's experiencing right now? And then, so I'm always starting with the problem, right? To your point, avoid the pitch, start with the problem. Be like, yeah. And y'all may be thinking like, well, Tyson, that's just a shot in the dark. It absolutely is, right? But it's a better shot in the dark. So you know, actually we're not struggling with that. Well, that's awesome. How is your company solved that? Cause that's something that we're always looking to learn more about ourselves. And so having a good pivot and the idea of these research-based confirmation questions and a good theory that I've, uh, we really started to focus on our enterprise team is like, don't ask questions that you don't like the answers to. Right. So yeah. if you're prepared to ask a question, you're like, I really hope they don't say this because I really don't have a way to pivot. Then you should think of a different question or role play how to pivot that question. But on the uh, leading with the problem, talking about the solution, the product will take care of itself. So that would be my, my advice is like, stop talking about yourself. Stop talking about your product. Talk about problems that the product or the solution or sorry, talk about problems that people in their space based in your research face, talk about potential solutions, and then they're gonna say like, okay, well, that's a cool solution. What can do that for me? Well, that's why I'm called, right? The Zoom Info can solve that for you. My product can solve that for you in this way. Yeah. Really interesting. And we connect more on that, right? And that's sort of the feeling. I always talk about asking questions of, you know, we've maybe had this in sales. If you ever ask a question so good and you're like, huh, you know what, Jason, I didn't think about it that way that, you know, can we loop in my VP to that conversation? Like that is always the moment I'm trying to get to in a cold call. So it's like that high of high in sales where it's like, they just sold themselves. I just asked such a great question that they sort of, you know, led to the idea like, yeah, I think I need to explore this further. And that is sort of the uh, cold call yeah. that we're all trying to get to. Yeah. It's the anti-pitch, you know, yeah. it's getting them, to, it's talking about the problem and like fixes for it and just saying, we can help you do that versus zoom info does the X, Y, Z. And it's a, you know, cause where do you go from there? You know? Okay. So we've done the cold call. We've done our permission based opener. We've sort of gotten these three micro yeses, uh, redirect this back over to you, Rod. What, what happens next in the call typically after that? So there's two approaches that I try to take, um, where I either, you know, after sort of getting the three yeses, dropping a little sprinkling in some, some information, whatever that may be, something about them. Um, I either try to ask a really good question that, um, that they're gonna wanna answer, um, or I try to transition to uh, ideally a very targeted, um, what, what, what we used to call a value proposition, right? So, in the in the first set in the first situation, you know, a good question. If I'm calling a vice president of sales, right, and um, I want to ask them a question about their business, something that they're going to answer. Uh, one ask one aspect of asking a good question is something called client voice, which is just saying, introducing your ideas as though they're coming from somebody else, right? So when I have an idea, instead of saying like, "Hey, you know, I think that it's I think that business to business data is really valuable for vice presidents of sales these days." That's much less compelling than if I say, from speaking with other vice presidents of sales, they're telling me business to business data is valuable, right? Even though it's actually my thought, I'm putting it almost into the words of one of their peers. And it's super easy and interchangeable to do that with whatever title, whatever role, whatever level of the, of the, uh, of the organization. 
right? So if I'm going the question route from speaking with whatever your title is, they're telling me that. And then I usually like to ask a good question around a challenge, right? Um, if I'm talking to an HR person, a good an easy challenge to leverage is the fact that the labor market in the US is very tight right now. And everybody's kind of competing for the same talent. So, hey, you know, from speaking with HR leaders, every, the labor market's super tight. You know, how's that affecting you? And then at the end of my question, I want to have an open ended. I want my question to be open ended. You know, I want it to be like, how is this affecting you? What are you doing about this? You know, how, you know, how, how is this relevant for your organization as opposed to like a yes or no um, close ended kind of question? That's very important if I'm going the question route and if I'm going the value proposition route. It's like, hey, you know, it sounds like you don't have a lot of time here. The purpose of my call is to find a better time to connect with you. I know I'm catching you, you know, it, you know, running to a flight or whatever. Um, and we're speaking with a lot of other, whatever your title is, you know, in speaking with a lot of other, whatever your title is, they're telling us, you know, one or two challenges about the industry or the role. Um, and that's exactly, and that's exactly why we exist. We exist to help them with some of these things. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to you know, clue you into some of that as well, right? If you have, if you really have to stick the landing in a very small amount of time, that's one way to do it. Got it. So a couple of things I want to highlight there, the question that you're asking, I call it question stacking is the framework that I teach. It's you're stacking context in front of the question. So you don't just say, how are you dealing with a labor market right now? I talk to a lot of your peers and here's what they tell me. They're dealing with this thing. And I know because we talked about this in our last call, you know, customer voice is something, use your customer voice is something that you guys talk about a lot at Zoom Info. You never talk about Zoom Info unless it's through the lens of a customer or through the lens of how a prospect might talk about this challenge. And it lends credibility, like you said. Yeah, God, it's just, it's one of those really obvious things, you know, when you think about it. But when you say people like you do this, or you're able to drop in some social proof, folks from companies like X and Y that we work with are focused on these things. It just, oh, it just, it just rings so much better than me saying, I see this thing, you know, um, you should be focused on this, you know, sort of thing. So I love that the customer voice, the questions, Tyson, what do you have to add? And how does your process, if at all differ from Rod's here? I think that's, I think Rod hit the nail on the head. Um, when I think about it from like a manager perspective, I think about things like show rate. I think about things like driving urgency on the meetings. So, you know, rather than schedule two weeks out, schedule for the same day. I see a bunch of people talking about Chris Voss. I never split the difference, the power of no. My advice to all of you, and it's going to be really uncomfortable at first, but ask for a same day meeting, right? Because as soon as you ask for that same day meeting, you may be thinking, well, Tyson, they're just going to say no. But if you read Never Split the Difference, that's like super powerful. Because when someone says, no, I can't connect today, they just said yes to the meeting. Right? Then you ask for next day. Hey, no worries. We could do sometime tomorrow. Does two or three o'clock work for you? They're like, uh, yeah, I think I can make that work. Because they're not going to keep saying no. They already kind of said yes to the meeting. And now, yeah. like, I was always trying to shift the conversation from, does do they want to take a meeting with Zoom Info to, okay, now we're just coordinating calendars as an SDR. Um, that was a big takeaway that I got from never split the difference. And then okay. um, even past that, right? Rod, I'm sure has had some really easy calls. Like, gosh, Rod, I'm glad you called. Like we were waiting for this call from Zoom Info and like we actually are reevaluating. That's great. 
we're all going to have those um, and our ability as SDRs, as cold callers to you know, make the sales process seem as easy as possible. We talked about this concept of selling past the yes. So even when you get that meeting, your job is not done as an SDR. I saw someone mention BANT, which I absolutely hate with a passion, with a passion because I feel like it's a huge trap for a lot of yeah. sales organizations to not call someone or not try to sell someone something because, you know, according to Vant, they don't have budget authority. It's like we used to have these big signs in our office that said, no one's ever budgeted for Zoom and they'll figure out your next move. Yeah. Right? No one, you're not going to call someone not to be, oh my gosh, like I'm the person, you're perfect timing and I'm ready to buy, right? Um, and so our job as salespeople is to identify a problem, create that need, drive urgency, and then set your account executive up if you're an SDR by selling past the yes. Hey, I got that locked down for two o'clock today. Out of curiosity, do you guys have any growth plans? You know, he's hiring some more SDR. Oh, that's really cool. Have you thought about ways to improve their onboarding? Do you use a sales engagement tool? Do you use something like conversational intelligence to make sure that you can share best practices between the reps? And I can identify outside of just solving like a pipeline problem, which a lot of people think about Zoom and football too. Now we're this whole, you know, go-to-market operating tool that can help so many aspects of the business. And I can really set up my account executive and get someone excited that, wow, I thought I was just going to learn about, you know, how to get a couple extra phone numbers to, you know, maybe this can really be a valuable partner from our organization and really selling past that yes is, you know, something we talk about to improve show rate um, and improve, you know, our bad fit or decrease our bad fit rate on meetings um, based on some qualifications, oftentimes subjective. Um, so that'd, that'd be what I'd add, add, uh, add on the end there. Okay. So we got to break down the get the no thing is, is interesting, you know, and it looks like just from the chat, a lot of people have read, never split the difference, but this concept of, you know, can you meet later today? No, that doesn't work for me. They're indirectly agreeing. Like they've already decided in their head that they want to meet just that later today doesn't work. And you're going for that now, which really kind of makes the person feel more like they're in the driver's seat, even though you're kind of the one asking the questions. I thought that was really, really good. And the selling past the meeting. So that's pretty interesting. So you get the meeting set and you're getting them to think beyond just the next time. Like if I, if you set up a meeting Tyson for me to meet with Rod, all I'm thinking about is that meeting and showing up and you're talking about what's going to happen after you know that, what you're going to like learn during that meeting. Like, can you guys talk more about that? Because that's the part that I think people focus so much on getting the demo. And they don't focus on what am I going to take away? What's going to be a valuable use of my time? You know, can you guys talk a little bit more about how you really sell the meeting beyond just showing up and getting a demo of Zoom info? So there's a great technique we use here, which is, um, you know, after we schedule the meeting and we've done the logistics of figuring out what time, what day, all that stuff, uh, we ask things like, you know, to make good use of your time, you know, in order for us to better tailor the conversation. And then we can ask some of these questions and then we can ask some of these qualifying questions. In our case, we wanna know things like, are there any geographies that you're particularly interested in right now in terms of growing your business? Are there any industries that are, that are, that are you know, relevant to you right now? And within those, are there any specific titles that you're going after, right? This is all information that's gonna help my AE or my account executive, who's the person that receives, is on the receiving end of this meeting, right? So as an SDR in whatever organization, it really depends on, um, you know, the person who's receiving that meeting, what are some of the reasonable things that will help them? 
like if, if your account executives like, hey, you know, thanks for that. For, thanks for setting that demo. Next time I need to know whether they have budget. I need to know whether they need our solution. Like those are some unreasonable requests um, because it's, it's a lot, you know, especially after you've booked a meeting, you want to ask a couple of questions. You want to make it seem like the questions you're asking are going to add value to the meeting, which is super, which makes asking the questions a lot easier. Um, and you wanted to, and you still wanted to, to give your account executive or whomever a better chance to succeed with that meeting. And I think, um, you know, to the band qualifications that selling past the yes, um, while they may say, you know what, we're already with the competitor, so we're probably not gonna be able to move forward, but we're interested in checking it out, right? Maybe Bant may say like, okay, I don't want to set that then my AE doesn't want that call. Or it allows me to pass those notes to my AE say like, hey, we really need to identify the gaps in their current data provider or their current solution provider and make sure we fixate on that because that is going to be the value that we can provide within that gap is going to be the reason why they double down on their investment with another tool in the same space or why they maybe say, hey, you know what? I know we're spending money here, but this can plug gaps and this is the ROI that we're going to get. And it's important that we solve that because it's going to help our business. So uh, that selling past the yes allows you to do that. It also sets up the account executive for success and will improve your show rate because you're not just setting up a meeting to check it out or get a free trial. You're setting it up to like really learn more about, to Rod's point, what other customers in this space are doing, what Zoom Info is doing, or you know how we can help them solve some some problems. Yeah. And in the in the same vein as the like the not interested objection, a lot of times people are like, yeah, send me an email, right? the selling past the yes questions of like, you know, what is like whatever qualifying questions, whatever information you want to uncover for your account executive, you can ask those in that situation as well. Somebody's like, yeah, you know, just send me an email. You can be like, okay, just, just to make this relevant for you, what geographies are interesting to you right now? What are some of your target uh, industries? What, what titles are interesting to you? And then if they answer those questions, you can turn that back and be like, hey, you know, that's why we want to meet so we can cover this for you. And you can use that information you uncovered to make that meet, that meeting more sticky, like to Tyson's point, it increases your odds of having it occur. Love it. Well, let's spend the last part here talking about objections. Yeah. So how do you guys think about objections? You know, I sort of look at them in two, you know, kind of areas. There's kind of the objection to being interrupted, right? To being cold called. And that's the not interested, it's the reflexive, you know, kind of responses that people give. And then there's stuff that's a little bit more legitimate, you know, but how do you guys think about objections is there a framework that you guys think about with this and i'll go ahead and kick it your way tyson yeah definitely um i have a framework i i i live by it's called rio it's w-r-i-o um it stands for welcome restate isolate and overcome um and the goal of this objection handling technique is to only have to overcome one objection once Right, just like when you hit those softballs early on in the call and they say, you know, Tyson, it's too expensive. Well, we have a lower price option. Well, Tyson, we can't implement it. Well, we can help with the implementation. Right? You're just kind of like knocking down dominoes and eventually the dominoes run out and they're just like, well, this is a lot to consider. I'm going to move on. Um, and so the welcome stage really helped me early on in my career because for all of you that are new to cold calling or have been in cold calling, you've all had this cold call anxiety, right? You've been, you've been fearful. You're like, gosh, I really hope they don't give me this objection. The welcome stage is just to welcome it, right? And my word was awesome. So if you ever took a cold call from me, I apologize for saying it a hundred times, but anytime someone would say like, ah, Tyson, I told you last week, we really can't move on. Be, oh, hey, that's awesome. I'm glad that, uh, you know, I'm glad, you know, we were able to connect last week. Maybe it was awkward, but I would try to make that really 
positive, right? And so my goal is to welcome that objection with enthusiasm as if they've already said yes. And that is the point of the welcome sort of state, right? Welcome it with enthusiasm as if they've already said yes. Pricing, hey, still too expensive, we can't afford it. Hey, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up. It's awesome that you're thinking about working this into your budget. And I move on to the next step, which is to restate. And I wanna restate that objection in the form of a question that I can win. Hardest part about overcoming objections and sales is sort of spin that you know, objection into a positive thing. Pricing is a common objection that we get here at Zoom Info. And so I was like, hey, Tyson, you're still way too expensive for us. We, we, can't, we can't do anything. And I would say, hey, I'm actually glad that you brought that up. If I understand you correctly, it doesn't sound like there were any concerns around quality or coverage of our data. It was just figuring out how to make this fit in your budget. And so I'm sort of isolating that objection because I want to, before I overcome it, I want to make sure they don't say like, well, even if the pricing was good, your coverage was bad, or you didn't have the data that you're looking for. Maybe they say, actually, you know what? Coverage was bad in the EMEA sector. Great. So it sounds like if I could show you how we've improved some coverage in our EMEA sector, and we could work a little bit on your budget, it may make sense to reconnect and reevaluate re this. I don't know, Tyson, have you guys improved your EMEA coverage? Absolutely. Then I go to overcome that objection. And so really hard to apply um, in a call. Really great framework for overcoming or role-playing and, and laying down the questions that you would want to ask after an objection. Um, but that is like one of my favorite frameworks that we train on a time here. Got it. Rod, anything to add? Um, Rio is great. I think that Rio is something I learned here at Zoom Info, and I think the um, I think the coolest part about it is that when somebody gives you an objection, if you give them an unexpected response, like if they tell you like, oh, we don't have budget, or like, oh, we're not interested, or oh, we're using one of your competitors, they're going to expect you to, you know, oh, okay, well, thanks for the time. But if you're like, oh, awesome, like, oh, that's great, oh, that's really, I'm really happy to hear that, it it like it, it really, you know, uh, pivots the conversation it changes the negative tone of where they thought the conversation was going. And it really allows for a much smoother handling of that objection. Like, oh, that's awesome that you guys are using a competitor that tells me that your organization is very sophisticated. That's exactly, that's, that's exactly why I was reaching out. You know, I'd be surprised if you weren't using something. And that's why I was open to find 15 minutes to share with you how people like you are finding value and seeing what we're also bringing to the table or you know, something like that. Um, but what I was gonna say originally what, what I was going to throw on top of that is if somebody is objecting to you within the first 30 seconds to a minute of a conversation, uh, what I was at one of my last companies, what we were told, what we were told is they're not really objecting to your solution, to your, to your service or to whatever you're talking about. They're objecting to the fact that you're calling them out of the blue and you're, you're bothering their day. You know, they're in the middle of writing an email and you're like, Hey, you know, I have a product that you actually need. But because you're like bothering them, they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, not interested. Thanks, you know, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we're we're all set. Thanks, you know. So that's the importance of the first thirty seconds to a minute. If somebody objects to you within that time frame, what what it tells you about the objection is that it's not, it might, it's not really a valid objection. They're not objecting to your product, your service, or your company. They're objecting to the fact that you're calling them, right? And you can get over that by making it by making it more personal and human, by dropping some information on them, by asking a really good question, you know, something like that. So let's go through a couple of examples then. I think some of the more common ones are gonna be stuff you get right at the beginning of the call. Not interested, don't have time, I'm in a meeting, about to hop to a meeting. How do you guys handle that one? 
that's my that's my favorite one. Uh, so I do this one in because it's really common on inbound. Um, but uh, when someone says, "Hey, you know, you caught me at a bad time," oh, no worries. I'm sure you're really busy. Well, the reason for my call was to actually schedule a call. So rather than schedule another call just to schedule another call, why don't we just lock down a time? Be available tomorrow at two p.m. And then what I would do when we're trying to train the reps there, um, what we kind of train the reps on is is to say like. Oh yeah, they'll say like, yeah, sir, tomorrow two o'clock works. I, I should be busy there. Awesome. Hey, real quick, while I'm pulling up that invite, when I ask you kind of what brought you to Zoom info and are you familiar with us at all? And I would kind of use that time to stall and qualify. If they're really busy, then they're like, you know, I got to go send me an invite for 2 p.m. And they talked about asking those sort of research-based confirmation questions if we need to qualify them on an inbound lead perspective. On outbound side, use them, you know, a lot of the same talk track. Um, when would be a better time to reach out? Um, Come in an hour or try me tomorrow. Hey, I could do you one better. I was just giving you a call to schedule another call. I want to talk about Zoom info. I know you looked at this in the past. We used to train on this a, a lot more in the past. It was called like the quick pitch. And so whenever someone puts you under the gun, you kind of have to have like this rapid fire, like matching their tone and pace. Like, now what does Zoom info do? And then you kind of just got a fire two o'clock work for you. Great. I'm going to send you an invite. Do me a favor and accept that invite. So I know it didn't lay in your spam or junk folder. You can connect there and I'll make sure to, to really blow your mind on, on how we help your business and make sure that it's really clear on, on, on why we're connecting and then follow up email as well. Got it. Super short to the point. What about someone, this is another common one that people were talking about and I see it a lot of my work is, uh, you know, we're all set. Either, you know, we do something like this in house or we have a data provider, you know, we don't, we don't really need this. How do you guys think about that objection? So there's a few ways to, to handle that. Um, a really good phrase I like to use to give myself room to ask more questions. Uh, in, in this, this situation is a good example of if they're like, oh, we're all set. I want to ask some questions. I want to try to uncover something, right? So a good phrase I like to use is like, oh, you know, it's good to hear that you're all set. Um, just so I don't bother you again, right? I'm offering to not bother them again. They're definitely going to be interested. They're definitely going to be willing to give me something. <laughs> you know, this is something they're interested in. So, oh, okay, it, it, it's interesting to hear you're all set. Just so I don't bother you again, um, it sounds like you guys are, it sounds like you, you know, you're using a service. Was that a recent thing? You know, did you get that within the past like six months or a year? How's that been going for you? You know, um, well, and then I, ideally I can ask some questions if it's like a product objection or if it's like a product or subject uh, service objections like you know we we just we're we have somebody else doing this like we have another company we are spending money on somebody else to do this i want to ask questions questions around how recently they got it um how satisfied they are with it whether um you know whether whether they're that kind of tech or, or actually the best question to ask is around why they got that thing to begin with it's like oh it's interesting that you guys are all set um why did you why did you go with that option you know why did you choose them or what or what prompted you to consider that solution in the first place you know if you can get some insight into the reasoning behind either why they went with that product in particular or why they went with that line of solutions in general then you can they can say things like oh you know oh well you know uh, in in the case of zoominfo well, you know, we went with this other competitor because our teams needed data and they weren't making enough calls. So we just needed something quick, you know, to get them the data they needed so they could make calls. You just learn something about their world that you can then leverage 
as, as a reason for a meeting. It's like, oh, you yeah. know, I hear that all the time. Everybody needs data. That's exactly why we exist. And that's why I'd love to at least show you what data there is out there for you. You know, I've just made it more compelling to a problem they just revealed to me. Yeah. Love it. Let's yeah. let's do real quick one more before we run out of time. Because what about, uh, I don't think I'm the right person. I'm not the right person to talk to about this. When do you know it's the right person, let's say? So um, that's a great one. I'm not the right person to talk to about this. You can either throw it back at them and be like, oh, okay. Uh, so are you not involved? So you're, I know you're the vice president of sales. You're not at all involved with like new business or sales, right? And then they'll be like, well, you know, so if they say I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not involved, I'm not the right person, ask them a very specific yeah. responsibility question, especially if you think they really are, they're yeah. going to, they're either going to lie to yeah. you or they're going to have a hard time telling you no. Um, or you can go for the alternative, like, oh, okay, you know, my bad, totally in the wrong place here. Um, can you help me out? And somebody actually alluded to this earlier in the chat, like people like helping each other out. It's another one of those psychological phenomena. It's like, I'm so sorry for being in the wrong place here. Can you help me out here? Your company is really confusing who is the right person who might be more involved with you know, sales, marketing, HR, customer success, whatever the thing is that you care about. Um, and then you would ask about that. And then ideally you can pump them for information. It's like, okay, so are they involved with that? Do, you know, who do they report to? Um, and then you can, get, you can get some good answer, some good information from that. Love it. Tyson, anything else you would add? We're almost up on time here. Um, yeah, I would, uh, I would add, uh, you know, it depends on your solution, right? Um, if you do have a stricter qualification, then, you know, and you think they're the right title, uh, everything Rod said was great. If you are going to a non-decision maker, like we occasionally will reach out to a manager who manages a team or even individual contributors to get them on a trial, because that's how we sort of, you know, build groundswell within the account. Um, hey, I, I understand you may not be the end decision maker, but this tool is absolutely going to impact your day to day. So we'd love to get your perspective on the tool before working the sub chain. Would you be opposed to setting up you know, just a quick 15 minute call so we can learn a little bit more about sort of the things that are plaguing your day to day and making you inefficient and, and maybe there's something that we can help out with. And, you know, at the very end, if you can give us a referral, awesome. And if not, and it's not a good fit, we can part as friends. Love it. Dude, you guys, this was freaking action packed. Um, I want to thank Zoom Info again, you know, for partnering up with us on this uh, webinar. Are you guys cool if I drop your LinkedIn profiles into the uh, chat so people can connect with you? Go yes. for it. Uh, let's do it there's rod's linkedin there's tyson's let's blow these guys up <laughs> but thank you so much everyone for the participation and rod and tyson dude you guys are awesome thank you so much for coming on and spending time with us this was extremely valuable for everyone yeah likewise thank Super you fun. Thanks, Ryan. Cool. Also, all right uh, everyone he booked, he booked uh three demos before this call already so yeah. i give him a shout out yes. um still still grinding even in the middle of a webinar Let's Love do it. it, dude. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you later. Bye.